We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 527 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Dan Hilton, and I commend you for clicking on these five headlines, because I could just sum it up with one easy headline. Barcelona stunk up the joint against Shakhtar Donetsk, and they deserve to lose. End of headlines, we're done, go home. But instead, I want to try to figure out why Barca stunk up the joint. That's what we're going to do today during these five headlines, and tomorrow during the podcast with a special guest. So that you don't miss that conversation, make sure to subscribe to the channel. And remember, there is a nice giveaway coming if I miraculously get to 20,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel before the end of the year. It's highly unlikely, but I might change it to 18,000 if I get some momentum again. So we'll have to see if I'm in the mood and in the holiday spirit. All right, so here we go. The five headlines from Barcelona's 1-0 loss to Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League. Headline one is clumsy start. A theme for this game, and you're going to hear it throughout these five headlines, even before it started is the belief that the supporters have in the 11 that Xavi chose, or should I say the lack of belief that the supporters had in the 11 that Xavi chose, to the point where it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that players you're expecting to not do well and to suffer when they do, every mistake, every issue that you already pointed out with those players is compounded times a thousand. And the players, I feel like, played into that, and it got worse as the game went on. I wanted to call this 11 an adult 11, even though Gabi is in it, but it was more of a veteran 11 that Barcelona has just in terms of age, not even in terms of Barcelona appearances, but just in terms of age. But instead, I think I'm going to call it the nothing new 11, as in all of the players in the position that they were playing in, we knew exactly what to expect from them, and many unfortunately underwhelmed in even what they were expected to be doing in those roles and in those positions. But it didn't have to be that way, and that's what's so frustrating even at the start. And I think we're going to start to play the blame game here between players and and the manager. And that's always the way things go when you lose a match like this. But this game could have been entirely different. I want to take you back to the parts that we already forgot. And that's in the beginning of the game when only clumsiness prevented Barcelona from being up 2-0. That might be a bit harsh to Shakhtar Donetsk. But in the first 10 minutes of that game, and yeah, none of these resulted in shots on target. But Lewandowski was in the box twice and Rafinha got in there once. And you could argue that if they had stayed on their feet or if they had been a little less clumsy and just found a way to cut that ball back, or for Lewandowski especially, instead of creating contact with the goalkeeper, to be able to keep that ball away from the goalkeeper, then Barcelona put 2-0 home in the first 10 minutes of the game. And you could see early on that there was a path for Barcelona through Shakhtar Donetsk. They would have had their chances if they could combine their passes into tight spaces, but just like against Real Sociedad, 
it was astonishingly sloppy from Barcelona. They just couldn't seem to control a ball that was coming at them with any kind of velocity whatsoever. And then the passes were off. You never know if you want to blame the receiver or the passer, but it was just not working. But the idea was through when there were moments when Orodomeu and Gundogan and out even to Alonso on the left where there were combinations you could see Barcelona could find a way through. Shakhtar Ness early on, their only chance was to beat Araujo and Christensen in a 2v2 situation on the counter when Alonso and Cancelo both got forward and left space and behind. And early on, because of Araujo and Christensen at the level that they're consistently at, you didn't feel like that was going to happen, that it wasn't possible. Alonso, by the way, too, I'm going to give my compliment to him before we spend the rest of this time not giving him compliments, but he had three pretty good crosses in that first half. Unfortunately, he didn't find any heads. And if they do, if players are crashing in the box, then you get a different result as well. Ukrainians finally found the game around the 15th minute. They forced their second to make the first official save of the game. And Rafinha, a minute later, rising shot in the 16th. At that point, felt like the first chapter of the game had ended where both teams, not say they hadn't really found the game, but it was sloppy all around. It was clumsy from Barcelona. And this one, you felt like it was going to be a long night for either team, regardless of how this turned out. Headline two is what a slog. The next chapter of that game again, kind of dictated the rest of the match, the rest of the competition before we get to the goal. By the 20th minute, you could see that Xavi was starting to get really frustrated on the sidelines. Sometimes I'll try to look down at the bottom of the screen and see how much he's pacing. We know that he always wants excellence, win or lose, and win by as many as you can, and he wants to see that stuff, but you could see that he's throwing his arms up and he's visually frustrated you know, with just a tiny little image of Xavi, upset about the slow rotations in the midfield. You can see here in the 20th minute that Oro Romeo was not there for that third man run. They weren't building the triangles and Xavi was frustrated to no end with his, with his team's inability to just play through and play around Shakhtar Donetsk. Ironically enough, later in this passing sequence, it did lead to Gundogan playing Lewandowski in behind, either offside or not enough to be a foul, so it winds up leading to nothing. But Shakhtar Donetsk, in the first half especially, were playing with fire the entire time. And yet, it still felt like this game was just going to be a complete slog, and that's what it was. I think the worst parts of this game, honestly, I know we can argue about the second half, but I think the worst parts of this game truly came from around that 20th minute period that I'm talking about until the Shakhtar Donetsk goal. That 18 minutes or so, which is brutal to watch. The only bright spot in those moments, in those passages of play, was Araujo carrying the ball forward, which I think in this, I, I don't know what to call an ideal 11 for Barcelona. I think all around, Xavi has personnel and questions to answer. But I think Araujo, when he plays center back, and that means you have to rotate Christensen and Diego Martinez and Kunde, said, that's a good problem to have, but I wish I could throw one of those players in a different part of the field, the way that they play. But having Araujo carrying the ball forward is something that is good for Barcelona. It is something that's good for breaking down those back lines. Unfortunately, it just didn't lead to anything. Because one of the things that Araujo carrying the ball forward does is that if you have Lewandowski coming into the midfield to create numerical advantages, yeah, it could all work out. But Lewandowski dropping in like that does nothing for anybody. There's too many touches by him on the ball. It ruins any flow or momentum. And also nobody makes any runs off of him when he receives because he's not finding anyone. He doesn't turn and immediately play a through ball or anything like that. It's just holding the ball and shuffling back or to the side to reset. So Barcelona find no counterattacks through their center forward, which in a modern game is something that you have to have. It has to be in your toolbox. It doesn't have to be your main thing, but it has to be in the toolbox. And it's, it's not happening with Lewandowski at the nine. Headline three is Shakhtar's grand plan. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I think Shakhtar and Nesk, I didn't say they didn't deserve a goal either at that point in the match in the first half, but I mean, they kind of did absorb the pressure. And when you're going to play against a counter-attacking team that is going to give you possession of the ball, 69% possession to be exact, 
then you know how they're going to try to attack. You already mentioned it was in those moments of counterattacking when they could get 2v2 against Rahul and Christensen and see if something could happen. And on that 1-0 goal, it's good from Shakhtar Donetsk. I want to start there. It's good from Shakhtar Donetsk. Sikhan heads home the cross, out jump at Christensen. But where it begins and where the problems were for Barcelona on the tape, Rafinha won't want to watch this. He was running out of gas at the end of the first half. Clearly, that time off, he wasn't match fit. Maybe he wasn't match fit enough even to start this match, but you also can't extend or overextend Lamine Mall. And you've also been overextending Zhao Felix, and he's been tired and need to be rotated. And just it feels like with Lewandowski and all his injuries, even though guys are back, they're not truly back. And Xavi doesn't have all the options to start Pedri, to start Lamine Mall again, or to again start Zhao Felix and put Ferran Torres on the right. There just aren't enough options in that way. And that experiment with Zhao Cancelo, who also needs a rest, as I've been saying for weeks now, Starting him at right wing against Real Sociedad, that was a disaster too. So I feel like Xavi, it was a lose, 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 lose situation. But by that point in the first half, Rafinha was running out of gas and not pressuring the crossfield ball from the outside back. And Barca playing a high line with Alonso tucked inside, anticipating the midfield run from the Shakhtar Ness midfielder. That meant that Ferran Torres was supposed to be out wide, but he wasn't tracking the other wide forward. And a perfect ball. I do give credit. It was a perfect ball and a perfect run in between Torres and Alonso. So Torres is slow to get to the cross and it was plenty of time for Sikhan to line it up and get a really good header on and he did beat Christensen in the air. You expect Christensen to do better on that. Still, I think it's a really good goal from Shakhtar Donetsk. I know it came against the run of play, but it was a well-drawn-up goal. But as I said, too, things can be two things, as we always say here, that this was also Barca's fault as well. Shakhtar was simply bypassing this press from Barcelona way too easily and that goal was the prime example of that happening. This press with Lewandowski, Alonso, and Oro Romeo together is not the first time we've seen this be completely rudderless, but it was again today. This is a problem. You look at the position of the midfielders, look how easy it is to break through Barca's press. Against Real Sociedad, the gaps between the midfielders were too large, so they kept getting stranded, and that made Barcelona easy to play through. But now, they're too close. So one wrong pass, and they're played through again, and Shakhtar Ness are coming in on the counterattack, as they did throughout this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or PK and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. 
Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Headline four is crumbs for the subs. The bigger bummer about this is that players like Alonzo and Romeu, they should be good enough against Shakhtar Donetsk. How many of Shakhtar Donetsk 11 would go into Barcelona 11, even from the starters? I know you're mad at them. I know you're frustrated them, but do look at reputation and pedigree and the players that you know they are at their ceiling. I think I am saying the same thing to you, but I guess we're differing on the last step of this whole process of who's in the 11 and who isn't. You say that Romeu and Alonso and even Lewandowski and then Rafinha and Jao Felix and Cancelo and Ferran Torres get them out of the club. They're not good enough to be at Barcelona. And that does feel like half the team at this point, but all those players aren't good enough and they need to leave Barcelona ASAP. And listen, when it comes to truly contending week in and week out and truly being able to have an eye on the Champions League trophy in good faith might require an exit from most of the players that were just mentioned. They may not be part of the best version of Barcelona that the squad that's going to be contending at the highest levels and playing with a style and a system that you can almost guarantee Here's Barcelona's floor. We even know it with Man City and Bayern Munich, and they have slip-ups. Even the elite clubs of the world, they have their slip-ups, and things happen over the course of a season. But you feel like with those top teams like Man City, them losing is an anomaly. And it, it doesn't seem to be systemic of a larger issue that one loss does not deter them from contending across the board. Where a loss or drop points at Barcelona does feel like they cannot contend because it does feel like the issues with structure and issues with balance and all those important parts of passages of play are not happening for Barcelona and that they are way off the mark of contending. But today, as I said, wasn't a side where those players shouldn't be up to the level of against Shakhtar Donetsk. That 11 is good enough for Barcelona with the individual talent, again, based on pedigree and even what we've seen when they are playing well, to beat a team who is playing countries away from home with a manager 14 days into the job. Barcelona know they need a starting pivot to become a top team again. They know that. But I have watched Romelu long enough to know that he can or should be a part of a team that can win games against this opponent and in the majority of the Liga matches. I watched him at Girona last season a lot. When I say the Liga matches, I mean almost all the Liga matches. 
Yeah, you don't start him against Atletico Madrid. Yeah, you don't start him against Real Madrid. You could argue you don't start him against Real Sociedad or Real Betis, but he still starts against 15 of the 20 teams in the Liga and is certainly up to that level. And that's what's so disappointing about this 11, that this group, again, this veteran group, plus Gabi, just strictly in terms of age, they struggled in the first half, and halftime didn't help. There was no switch to be flipped. Whether you want to talk about grit or energy or something, that sloppiness, that technicality, it feels like they got in their head, like they wanted it so badly that it just wasn't working, which is continuing to be the Barcelona Champions League curse, regardless of the players that are in and out of this squad. When it comes to Busquets and Alba and Pique and go back to Messi and Suarez, you can't blame those spaces and those people anymore. This club is no longer... Los Amigos, they are gone. And somehow that thing about Barcelona in the Champions League not being able to really break through, which unlike in the Liga, when just on the weekend, they played like garbage against Real Sociedad and Barca got a result because in the Liga, we've seen over the last year and a half, even last season with the Liga, this season, even with all those late wins, the 12 points they picked up in the 80th minute or later, there is belief in the Liga, in Spanish competition. So what is it? Is it just nice weather? And then the minute they go outside of the confines of the Iberian Peninsula, because they did well against Porto as well, but the minute they step out of Iberia, that they just wilt and they, they don't know who they are and they don't know how to win these games late. I, I don't understand when they're not in the confines of a competition I guess they understand and believe in themselves in. Second half starts, terrible defending by Alonso. Tessian gets a save at his near post. Another Matt save in the 57th minute. This could have been even worse for Barcelona in the second half. Then 59th minute, the four subs. Pedri, Balde, Lamine Mal, Felix on for Romeu, Alonso, Rafinha, Torres, which all of those made a ton of sense to me, of course. And then Balde, within minutes of coming on the field, his first defensive stand where he kind of makes that fake to have the offensive player run past him and he uses his hand to shield him off to the point where once he's by him, then he makes his turn. That was better than anything Alonso did in his entire time on the field. And as much as people get on Balde as the starter week in and week out, saying he doesn't have that final ball. I said Alonso's crosses in his first half were better than most of what we've seen from Balde with that final ball this season. But just defensively, as your left back, Balde solved so many issues that Alonso creates. I'm a little frustrated, of course, Shao Felix. I just had that thing about him and Ansu Fati and all those questions, but... Gosh, he has put just a string of performances together where I don't know what the judge is going to be of him. I want to talk about that on the podcast tomorrow. I want to really go into Jao Felix again. Is it three poor matches in a row and then five good ones? Or did he even have five good ones? Did he have just the two, the two five O's? Those the only two really good matches from Jao Felix. I felt like there were other matches when I gave him compliments when he didn't necessarily have an end product. So I can't look back in his showings and say he didn't score a goal, didn't assist. That doesn't mean he had a bad performance. But there seems to be a mental block the last two weeks now for him. Maybe he is just tired, but he continues to go down way too easily. It feels like he doesn't believe in himself, that it's now just too much nonsense and it's not enough actually making something happen. All of the shots or crosses that he were putting in were blocked. San's the one really good cross that no one ran to the near post for, but the rest were exactly what Shakhtar Donetsk was asking Zhao Felix to do. Basically take himself out of the game and waste time for Shakhtar Donetsk. And at that point too, in the contest, Shakhtar had changed the way they were playing. They were even more defensive. They had the nine in the box already, but they just kept nine in there. Didn't take anybody out. Sikhan also, when he was subbed out, was having trouble with his mobility. And when he was down and having those struggles for the 20 minutes or so since his tackle with Andres Christensen, if Barcelona didn't get a goal in that window, it just feel like Shakhtar Donetsk, they had enough to bunker down and get this result. Because the corners came. The group with the subs that could play through them was now playing against a Shakhtar Donetsk team with the finish line in sight and willing to defend cross after cross after cross and corner after corner after corner until the final whistle. 81st minute, Fermin Lopez on for Gabi. And there was a call there about a handball. 
no handball for me, natural position of the arm. But this is still slow counterattacking, even with the kids, even with the youth, even with Pedri, keeping retention of the ball a bit better than Romeo was doing and anybody in that part of the field, including Ferran Torres in the first half and Jao Felix were doing. Pedri controlling the ball well, but the counterattack was still too slow, even with the kids. And Barcelona also fortunate not to go down on counters themselves. It could have been 2-0 after Neroten scored in transition. Doesn't happen. But again, 96 minute really summed it up for me. Jao Felix goes down in the box instead of going after the ball to create another chance. Just goes down looking for the PK because that's all Barcelona had. They had just hope and a prayer that they could get a PK because that was their only way into this game. Really disappointing stuff. Headline five, real quick here. Good for Shakhtar Donetsk. This is the match that just felt like it wouldn't end. As I've said, under Xavi, I have believed. La Liga and the track record have given me enough reason to say, hey, this team have enough fight and desire and they want to play for each other and they do work hard. It's not like a team is just standing around. Like It's a team that works hard and presses and even if the ideas aren't crystal clear, they do work. But I don't know. There was something in me that said this is not going to happen from the 45th minute on and it just felt like that and it never ended that feeling just didn't change I think the one shot out of 13 on target is completely unacceptable and made that feel 10 times worse but as I said for Shakhtar Donetsk good for them because Barcelona did completely bottle this match but for Shakhtar this is a huge win for them there were a lot of Barca fans in Hamburg which is supposed to be where Shakhtar Donetsk have their supporters there were some of course supporters of the Ukrainian club but you felt like yeah this was kind of a home game for Barcelona as well and they had their game plan. They came and executed too. They got their goal. Then they defended for their life with nine in the box for the whole second half. And this is a huge win for the human part of this. Again, to be away from your home for months on months on end and knowing what's going on with family and distant relatives and all of that back in Ukraine. And most of this squad is Ukrainian players. There are some Brazilians in there too, but most of them are Ukrainian. So to know what's been going on for almost two years in your home country and to not really have any consistency and to always have some things on your mind. This is a huge win. This is something that even though it does complicate things for Barcelona quite a bit, for Shakhtar Donetsk, which obviously Barcelona did get the win that they needed to over them, Barcelona should still, not only will they get out of the group, but they should still win the group with these nine points. They needed a win or a draw to manage to get out of the group. But with Porto, I'm recording this just as they're up one nothing around the 63rd minute. So I'm assuming with Ura Antwerp also having got a red card, that Porto will wind up getting a positive result. That puts them on nine points tied with Barcelona. Barcelona do have the win. And now it does come all the way down to Barcelona protecting their home field against Porto for the group. Because this is what Barcelona had to do to get the points, to move on, to make sure they don't have to worry about it later. But now Barcelona still have things to worry about. And I think that part, when you talk about the results, is the most frustrating part. Barcelona just had to even get a draw, even get the one goal to make sure, okay, you're in a good spot. You're going to qualify. Whether you finish first or second in the group, we all know it doesn't matter. There are upsets in other groups. You can't worry about what anyone else is doing. You just try to win your group or get second, but move on to the next round and worry about it when it comes, when your team is healthy and you're a different side a few months from now. I'm going to say this is probably their worst match of the season. Somebody else can jump in to it, but just having watched for 97 minutes of that, this felt like the worst game that Xavi had of the season, and I'm going to talk more about it tomorrow. I think there are things to diagnose, but Barcelona's in a bad way right now. I'm totally with you. Feeling quite negative. Obviously, you know, big picture-wise, Barcelona aren't out of any of it. It's not like I'm disheveled that Barcelona have been eliminated from the Champions League or anything like that. It's not that kind of result, but it does sting. It stinks that Barcelona are playing so, so poorly. And this time, unlike Real Sociedad, when they got the undeserving win, they deserve to lose this match. And they did. They played poorly. And that was it. So those are the five headlines. Again, podcast tomorrow. Until next time, as always, Forza Barca.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.